2: Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Mitz. Today, we are continuing our season previews for all the Big 12 opponents for, for football this year. Um, you know, it's been a wild ride already. We're we're just ending up the first week now, um, but we've already had some some doozies of interviews and kind of talking about everything going on. Obviously, a big part of that has to do with, with all the realignment stuff, but we're not going to get into that today, partly because I'm tired of talking about it already, um, but then also because our guest today is Christine Butterfield. She, uh, she Covers OU uh, in some fashion. You know, she actually j- jumped on the network with us. You guys heard her earlier this week when we announced the network. Uh, Christine, how are you doing today?
1: Fantastic. How are you? I'm,
2: do- I'm doing pretty good. So, obviously, I think this is an awkward time for anybody who's an OU fan or covers OU in any capacity. But, uh, like I said, sure, you know, we're, we're not going to talk about realignment unless it comes up in the conversation. And you actually want to talk about it because I'm, I'm going to tell you some of these conversations have been awkward enough as it is. Um, mm-hmm. So I just want to kind of power through. We are here to talk about Oklahoma football. Obviously, it was a very successful season for them last year, like it is most years. You know, they they won the conference again, had a whole bunch of people drafted. Um, really, you say that
1: about Kansas basketball too. You know, very good season for them.
2: Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a lot of people drafted this year, but oh well. That's no. that you know, that happens okay sometimes. To. But, um, but no. Um, so so this this Oklahoma football team, though, like, kind of. I, I guess I'm not really usually sure about who comes and goes with this team, partly because I don't really pay too much attention to it. I just know that they're pretty damn good. So um, who who did Oklahoma lose this season uh, that you think, you know, were, were key contributors that might be difficult to replace and who is going to be stepping up to replace them?
1: So they did lose Creed Humphreys, which I think is a huge loss because he was their starting center for years. You know, he was the guy who was controlling the offensive line and was really the biggest leader for their team last season. And when you're talking about the number one guy protecting your quarterback, that's obviously a big relationship that you're losing between Spencer Rattler and such a, you know, poised and veteran center. So they're going to add freshman Andrew Ram at center. I think he should be good under, you know, Bo Benambon and all that stuff. So it should be okay. But they also lose right tackle Adrian Ely, again, They're adding two transfers, though, in Robert Kongal and then in Wayna Morris. So they are adding a few people back that are going to kind of help that solidify the offensive line. And so it's not as big of a loss. But still, I think anytime you lose that big of a center, it's going to kind of show a little bit in the non-conference schedule. Kind of moving on to the defense, though, they lost Ronnie Perkins and John Michael Terry, who were huge in the defensive line. They were just big monsters that you did not want to mess with. But that being said, they have this really powerful three there with Isaiah Thomas, Nick Benito, and Perion Winfrey. So even though they lost two huge guys in that area, they have such an incredible trio moving up in there. So I don't know if it's really going to be <laughs> that big of a detriment to them. And then they're also returning Caleb Kelly, who's going to be big in the linebackers. And then in defensive backs, they lost Trey Brown and Trey Norwood, who they were pretty strong in that, but they have three starters coming back. And I really think that people are underestimating Woody Washington. Um, I'm pretty sure Nick Medito even talked about that at Big 12 Media Day. He said that he thought that enough people, like not enough people were talking about him, not enough people knew what he's capable of, and he's really taken strides in this spring. And so I think he's going to be big for Oklahoma moving forward.
2: Yeah, that's that's just what the rest of the conference needs. You know, a bunch of guys that are unheralded and underrated that are going <laughs> to show up big for you know the Sooners this year. Yeah. No, I mean you know it's 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 kind of funny because it seems like every year when we talk about potential issues for Oklahoma, it's that they're losing a bunch of guys on the offensive you know, on on the offensive line, and like that might be the one weak spot you know in the offense that could potentially give them problems and sometimes they have issues at the beginning of the year. I honestly think last year COVID was a bigger issue, like in terms of shortened practice time and shortened summer camps and all of that, than the guy's actually being inexperienced, but you know, it always seems like they get it together before the meat of the schedule anyway. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. it, it, I I am right. Aren't I, that it doesn't really seem like, Oh, like offensive line is let me rephrase. Offensive line probably looks like the weakest unit on the offense just because of all the turnover, but I, I don't think and i think you agree with me it does i don't think it's going to be an issue for Oklahoma this year is it
1: i don't really think so either you know their offensive line coach is such a seasoned guy he always gets them whipped into shape by about i want to say the fourth possibly fifth game if it's you know really bad turnover period but i just really am going to be interested to see how andrew handles that center's position after following creed humphreys you know that dude knew what to do he knew where to direct his teammates and he knew how to protect the quarterback end. so just that alone I think is going to be kind of the key for this offensive line although we've seen in the past where they just get their chemistry together like that you can see in the first couple of games where it's looking iffy there's a lot of gaps and it's not looking right but then when you look towards the middle of the season and like you said when they get in the meat of their schedule they start to come together so um, Oklahoma fans shouldn't be too worried about that, I don't think.
2: Yeah, I mean, really, I think the only thing Oklahoma fans need to be worried about is they're playing K-State early in the year again because that seems to be, like, the one game that they <laughs> had problems with early in the year. But right. we'll get there because I, I've got some some thoughts about the way that the schedule is put together for them. But sure, I, yes. I, do, I do wonder, though, I mean, Spencer Rattler coming back for another year, this is going to be the first time that Oklahoma's had the same quarterback year over year in quite a while. Um mm-hmm. Like, are, are you expecting him to build on that year last year and be even better? Or do you think it's a lot more dependent on the guys that he gets around him? Like, I'm not sure if last year the struggles that they did have were on Rattler or on just the cohesion of the entire offense.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't, I think it's a little bit of both concerning last season I don't think they had enough time to really gel together as an offense and a lot of that comes into timing different routes that comes into timing the speed of the ball which you pass it goes in both ways but I think a lot of that too is that Spencer Rattler kind of underestimated how big of a jump it was going from high school to college we've seen him be really confident he was in QB1 and you know he was talking about how ready he was and you you know, kind of tucking up a big game. And I I always remember him getting taken out of that game in Texas and having to sit out for a drive or two. And um, then coming back, he seemed refreshed and he seemed like he was ready at that point. We've seen him kind of go through that growing period, go through the growing pains of, making that transition into college and I think this season we're going to see him look even more consistent and with the time that he's gotten back with this offense and kind of moving forward with their really deep wide receiving core I think you're going to see him kind of go on to a whole nother level
2: yeah I mean kind of talking though about you know who it is and and with that wide receiving core like I do think that that Oklahoma is one of the few teams that has such great quarterback play but also consistently has other good skill positions so Really, I guess, who who is it there in the wide receiver core? Do they have a lot of guys that are returning? Do they have a lot of new guys that you're expected to actually take a leap forward? Like, who, who is the either the breakout guy or the standout guy that you think is going to be coming from the wide receivers this year?
1: It's going to be a toss-up between Marvin Mims and Theo Weiss. But I really think that Marvin Mims is going to get that role because he just was incredible last season he kind of had that speed that hollywood brown had that cd lamb had Um, he didn't get enough looks though because they were kind of testing out a lot of different wide receivers they were sharing the ball a lot so i don't think he got the amount of you know catches that someone that was as seasoned as cd lamb or someone as seasoned as hollywood brown would get But I think this year he's probably going to be their go-to guy. Theo Weiss showed a lot of promise last season, so he's projected to also, you know, be a starting uh, wide receiver for them. And then Austin Stogner at the tight end position, I think he's going to be really big for Oklahoma too, just making sure that they keep that offense in a very, um, you know, just a very confusing way for other teams so that they don't know who they're constantly going to go to, you know, making sure that they switch the ball between Marvin Mims, Theo Weiss, possibly Mario Williams, who's a true freshman. And then going back to Austin Stogner, just keep switching it up to keep people guessing. So, but if I had to say who their go-to wide receiver was, it's going to be Marvin Mims for sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, that's kind of the name that jumps out anyway, the, the one that you would remember. So I, I was just really curious to see if there's anyone else that's kind of like lurking in the, in the background there, but you, you did bring up tight end because, you know, I do think if you're looking for a position that just doesn't jump out at you from this mm-hmm. Oklahoma offense, I think that's the one that, you know, it's not really, really good. It's not really, really bad. Like, so it, it doesn't seem to be necessarily too memorable. How much of a contribution are you expecting from the tight ends? Is that something that Oklahoma is planning to use a little bit more? Because it, it, it didn't seem like they were really trying to get a lot of contributions from, from tight ends last year. And that might just be me not paying enough attention.
1: You know, um, I mean, I think the last really great tight end they had was Mark Andrews. And, you know, he's in the NFL now doing great. I just remember him getting a lot of catches. Recently, I know that they've been going to Austin Stogner. He played really well last season. And sometimes Drake Stoops would be in there in the mix a little bit. Uh, but you're you're kind of right in the fact that I think Spencer Rattler kind of goes for either getting a quick look at the running back who's right next to him whether that I mean this season it'll be Kennedy Brooks but last season it was Ramondre Stevenson who is you know not with them anymore um or he was going for just a really long pass really down there going going to Marvin Mims going to Theo Weiss players like that Charleston Rambo at the time who they've also lost so I do think that the tight end position was a tad overlooked last season, and I'm really hoping that he's worked on looking through his options better and, you know, like making sure he goes through all those routes. So hopefully you'll see the tight ends getting a little bit more action. So I'm not saying that it was not, I guess, specified in practice, but what I am saying is I think it was, you know, maybe not as utilized as it should have been.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it's also kind of, though, when you have as many options as Oklahoma does, I'm sure that there's going to be at least one that gets underutilized compared to what it probably should be in an ideal world. So, um, you know, I guess jumping over to another, again, because there's so many of them to talk about, the running backs for for Oklahoma. Um, I mean, who all is in the room? Like, who are you expecting to be the big contributors there? Again, there's just so many guys there. I think it's hard for, for someone who's not following Oklahoma all the time. To actually keep them all straight and figure out who was going to be the main contributor, um, you yeah, know, it, it seemed like they had a couple options last year, and I don't really know that any of them completely differentiated themselves, especially coming into this year.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, Ramondre Stevenson was really their kind of their big bulldozer. He could get through anyone with his size, and for him to be as speedy as he was for as big as he was, it was honestly incredible. Um, Moving forward, though, they're getting Kennedy Brooks back, and he actually opted out of last season for COVID protocols. So I think he's coming back this season really refreshed and with a playing position like running backs. I kind of like to say it's like a car, you know, they all depreciate over time. So having Kennedy Brooks not kind of get that mileage last season, allowing Ramondre Stevenson to kind of take the bulk of the work along with Seth McGowan, um, I think it really is going to help this season kind of keep that running back room fresh so even if if Seth McAllen or if Kennedy Brooks start they will probably be splitting carries kind of more similar to what we saw last season and I think that's really going to help keep the offense running at a more efficient pace
2: yeah not that they you know need to be any more efficient than they were last year (laughs) because I mean you know the lowest number of points that they scored was 27 against Baylor and 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 Iowa State so um, I mean what what is there left at this point for them to actually improve on? Like, I mean, are there any spots on the offense that worry you, or any ones that you think need some work for Oklahoma Sooner fans to be comfortable for this year?
1: I mean, this is a good question. I already touched on the offensive line. So. I mean, that's really kind of my only question mark, just because I haven't seen how these players are going to play together, especially what kind of trust is going to be built between the center and Spencer Rattler. I think that's going to be very key. And Kennedy Brooks, you know, that's a player we have not seen play for an entire season. So we don't know, you know, if he's going to be rusty coming back. We don't know if he's going to be even better. There's a lot of um between the offensive line and then just seeing how Kennedy Brooks looks, those are kind of kind of be like my two gaps there. I think the wide receiving core is very deep. I think Spencer Rattler is going to take big strides in this season. So other than that, those are going to be my two, I guess, biggest spots to look at for the upcoming season. But like you said, by, you know, conference schedule, Lincoln Riley always has them running like a pretty big steel machine besides when they play Kansas state. Yeah, yeah, and I mean,
2: and, and, we'll, and we'll definitely get there because I, I do have questions again, like I said, right? Um, okay, I do want to sw- switch over to the defense, kind of talk about that there, but before we do that, I am going to go ahead and throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast.
1: Are you a Big 12 basketball obsessed fan and have nowhere to go for just all of your Big 12 basketball information? Look no further because Midwest Madness is here just for you. We talk men's and women's basketball all year long with exclusive interviews, guests that come on to talk about each team game recaps, once the season begins and so much more content, you won't know what to deal with. So for all of your big 12 basketball needs, Midwest madness is your place to go. Listen on anchor Spotify and Apple podcasts.
2: And we're back. All right. So, um, talking about Oklahoma's defense here, you know, they definitely struggled early in the year, um, gave up huge fourth quarter comebacks to Kansas state, Iowa state and Texas, Um, you know, and like they were able to come and win that Texas game in four overtimes. And then after that, they, they got better, but how much of that was the actual offenses that they were facing weren't anywhere near as good as they were in the beginning of the year. And how much of that was the team actually finally getting it together. And then, kind of to follow up on that how much of that defensive performance and improvement do you think is going to carry over into this year
1: you know I think that the defense is going to look very strong this year uh I do know that they had a I guess trend in the past where they would be strong all through three quarters and then once that fourth quarter hit they'd run out of steam or they'd run out of focus and allow another team that had an average offense pretty much to kind of start making some traction and making some points back to make the uh the total kind of look a little less intimidating than it would have otherwise. I also know that, you know, they would start putting in other backups at that point to kind of give them more playing time and it'd be players that weren't as good at being spatially aware or, you know, weren't at the right size to be competing with those starting receivers. So I think that did play a little bit into that. Although I do think that they're going to carry in a lot of strength and a lot of wisdom heading into this season and Coach Grinch, he's just been so disciplined with this group and so disciplined with the defense. And Nick Benito, I, I know I mentioned him earlier, but he was their representative for Big 12 Media Day. He talked about how Coach Grinch kind of gives them this philosophy of never being satisfied. You know, even if they make a great tackle or a great sack or a great turnover, he you know, he thinks, what's, what's next? You know, Don't be satisfied with that one great play. Go make 10 more. So I think that's going to be the biggest key for Oklahoma's defense is never being satisfied, and that means never being satisfied until the game is completely over so that they can, you know, keep that big uh, scoring gap heading into whatever game they're playing.
2: So what you're saying is that they're going to run up the score a lot on people because that's what the defense wants them to do, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, w- yeah, I would assume yeah. that the defense's goal is just to be three and out every single time and allow the offense Which is to take up like, as much time as they need. That's,
2: that's the way it should be, but, you know, it doesn't make anyone else feel better that is getting a score run up on them. But, um, yeah, no, sorry. okay. No, no, it's, <laughs> no, it's all right. Sorry. I mean, again, you know, I say it I say it all the time with other sports, ones where cancer is not absolutely atrocious is like, if you don't want to get blown out, don't let the other team blow you out. So like I Oklahoma definitely has nothing to apologize for. It's just going to suck for everybody else. So um yep. so so
1: I mean, I guess not much longer. LOL. Well,
2: oh boy. Oh boy. Um yeah, so I guess in terms of this defense though, individuals cuz cuz you mentioned that they lost a few key players, who who do you have that is either going to be like the next main guys that we're going to want to watch on defense this year. Um, well, actually, let's let's start there. Who, who are the main standouts going to be for this defensive team next year?
1: Main standouts, I see Isaiah Thomas being really strong as a defensive lineman. I see Nick Benito, Perrion Winfrey, them kind of being that trio at the defensive line. I see them being very solid players for Oklahoma. I also see Brian Asamoah at linebacker making big plays, possibly Deshaun White. They've both, they're both coming back from last season, and Caleb Kelly is also returning at that position. So those are three really strong players for Oklahoma that are all returning. Um, a player to look out for will be Key Lawrence. He's coming in from Tennessee at the defensive back position. So I don't know that much about him so far, but I'm going to be interested to see how he kind of works in Oklahoma's defense, honestly. And like I said, they did lose Trey Brown. They did lose Trey Norwood, but they are really gaining someone special in Woody Washington. And he made some big plays in that Texas game and just seeing how the team reacted to that, seeing how hype he kind of got and just seeing him progress since that game and gaining that confidence. I think it's going to be incredible to see what he looks like this season because for Nick Medito to point him out in front of everyone saying that's the guy you guys are going to want to keep track of I think that's a big deal so without all that being said definitely watch out for the defensive line watch out for Brian Asamoah at linebacker and winning Washington and the defensive backs
2: yeah I mean so you know anytime you lose someone who, you know, it's that good? Obviously, you have the, the people that are there are going to step up, but that also opens up the door for new players that are going to be around for for a few years. Um, of the newcomers, either transfers in, you know, or or freshmen, are there any of them, you know, I, I think mainly I meant for the def- for the defense, but we didn't really talk about this on the offense either, but any of those guys that jump out to you that are going to make an immediate impact and are going to be those guys that we're going to be talking about for the next three or four years for the Sooners? Um,
1: defensively, I'm not too sure just because they have so many key players that are coming back and so many players that had time last season that I'm not sure how big of an impact someone like Key Lawrence, who I just said, even though he's transferring in from Tennessee, um, even, even that you don't know how big of an impact they'll make with how regimented this team is. So I am going to be watching that. Not too sure though, offensively, I am interested to see how that freshman plays at center, like I said before, but also how Mario Williams plays in the wide receiving core, seeing what he does with the catches he can receive, seeing what he does with the routes he's given and kind of seeing how quick he is whenever he, you know, gets those yards after the catch and seeing what he can make out of those, I think will be really interesting. Um, They also add Mike Woods from Arkansas in the wide receiving core and he had 32 catches with 619 yards. So pretty decent. (laughs) We'll see how he plays too, but um, they have such depth in that area that it'll be, I think it's going to be kind of difficult to have such an outbreak game there, but you never know what's, what's possible with Oklahoma.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, that's the thing that this, this Oklahoma Sooners team year in, year out has kind of shown that they can, they can really beat up on anybody at any time, no matter how bad it looks like it is for them at any particular point in the season. You know, I was I was hoping beyond all hope last year that they weren't going to end up winning the conference just because I wanted to see someone different. Um, yeah. I'm, start, I'm starting to think that it's not going to happen before they leave. Like, the first time someone else wins the Big 12 is either if Oklahoma's not here. Well, it may not even be the case then because who knows if the conference is still around after Oklahoma leaves. So, we'll see.
1: I don't know, man. Iowa State's going to give them um, a really interesting game. I think that's going to be a good one.
2: Yeah, actually, we're we're about to get there now because I, I do want to go through the schedule. I am a little curious. Um, you know, we'll we'll start by just talking about the first three games. Those those non-conference games, opening the season at Tulane, um, then going to or then then uh, having West West Carolina come in to visit, and then Nebraska. Of those three games, I'm I'm curious which one of those do you think is actually the marquee game for the Sooners?
1: Um. It's debatable. I think, I think the Sooner fan base is so taken with finally getting Nebraska back on the schedule. There's a lot of old fans that are just excited to kind of relive their rivalry days that they haven't witnessed in a very long time. There's also a lot of tea behind that game, as I'm sure everyone is aware. Um, But I kind of think that West Carolina is going to be a little bit lost in the shuffle, even though they should be taken more seriously because that game at Tulane, it's an away game. And that's their first game of the season. I think the Sooners are going to want to come out strong and they're going to be just ready to get out on the field. And that's kind of when they always go crazy a little bit, (laughs) Um, just crazy to make plays, crazy excited. That West Carolina game, there's not much leading up to that. You know, like there's no rivalry involved. It's the second game in the non-conference schedule, not too much to be excited about. And I think that's when sometimes those non-conference games can make you lose your focus, and that makes you not play up to the way that you're supposed to be playing. And that's when the Sooners can sometimes play down to their level of competition. So, but, I but think just that's to be clear, be
2: one- you, you don't think there's any way that they actually kind of have like
1: oh no i'm not panic. saying okay. i'm not saying i was like I'm not winning that I, game. I was like, I was like wait a minute you're I like think...
2: setting this up for like this could be a, a sneaky upset i was like no oh, there's buddy. no way you're not saying that are you really <laughs> no
1: i'm definitely not okay. i'm just okay, saying that i wouldn't be surprised if maybe it if they only the win by three in touchdowns quarter.
2: instead of you know seven
1: yeah you know yeah. like they only lose by four or they only win by four and you're just sitting there like oh oklahoma really messed this one up guys oh, wait, four four four
2: touchdowns or four points
1: Four touchdowns. Oh, okay. I was just saying because, <laughs> like, honestly,
2: if that's an, if if it's any any closer than probably about four touchdowns, then then you probably do have to kind of wonder like what's going on. Why are they not blowing them out? Um, no, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that is one that rightfully so. I think is just going to kind of get lost in the shuffle because, like you said, like that game at, at at Tulane, you know, it's it's the opener. It is one of the few times that Oklahoma, you know, goes on the road to a school like that you know the last time they played away from home against a team that was decent like this you know was that army game that was almost an upset like i do think that that mm-hmm. army team is better than this two lane team is going to be but this yeah. isn't going to be a bad two lane team this year at least from everything that i've seen so it, it, i mean it, it could be one that has some uncomfortable moments but oklahoma should still win that one handily the game against nebraska though like i, I understand that there are some people that kind of want that nostalgia but i can tell you as a kansas fan that finally played missouri like not too long ago, it was missing a lot. Like there was yeah. there was no way that that was anything close to what you would have thought it would have been. So I would not right. be I surprised mean, if like they go and play that game and it's a complete disappointment. Everyone's like, wait a minute, we got up for this?
1: Right. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of tea just because, you know, they're like, oh, here's the 11 a.m. kickoff that started it all. Yeah. But, well, but um, like, you, like you said, this is a rivalry that I kind of want to say died whenever Nebraska left because they haven't been the same team that they were whenever they left the big 12 originally. So it's not going to be as competitive as I think a lot of people want it to be. And a lot of people are used to it being, but you know, for younger fans out there, they're probably like, yeah, Nebraska, who?
2: Right. Yeah. It's like who, I mean, Nebraska has fallen off completely since they left. I mean, and really if you think about it, they were already declining their last few years in the big 12 it was kind of a mm-hmm. matter of, it, it came off a lot when they left as we, you know, we're going to throw a tantrum because we're nowhere near as good as we're used to being. And we don't like to see that. And so we're going to go somewhere else where hopefully we'll be a little bit better for us. Kind of reminiscent of a certain team that's leaving the big 12 coming up here, but we'll leave mm, that for I a different I was
1: kind of time. thinking of one that already left the big 12.
2: Well, well, yeah, there's, there's that too, but, <laughs> but I'm talking about, you know, the one that's getting ready to leave, not you guys, but the other one. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I had said on an earlier episode of the of the ten twelve that I would uh, – I, I think it would be absolutely phenomenal just in terms of the schadenfreude if, you know, Nebraska were to win one of these two games against Oklahoma. I don't see it actually happening. Um, and I definitely don't see it happening in this one because with all of this going on, like, I don't, I don't think that I – th- I should say Oklahoma's already going to have enough kind of hate coming their way from po- opposing fan bases – that I don't think that they're going to let this one, you know, die down or or you know, kind of overwhelm them in terms of not taking it seriously or anything like that. So, plus Nebraska is just horrible this year; they're going to be horrible again next year probably too. But um, you know, we'll just kind of have to see how that goes. So, anything else from those non-conference games before we get into conference play?
1: Don't have anything else besides that.
2: <laughs> you, you know, I I do want to ask though because because those two games are both eleven a.m. kickoff games. The, the ones that we actually have time for that at Tulane and then the first Nebraska, what, what is the big deal? Why do Oklahoma fans get so upset about 11 a.m. kickoffs?
1: Um, <laughs> It's a great question. Honestly, it's multiple reasons. When I was in college, it was because like you think about pre-gaming for whenever you're tailgating and getting everything ready. You're waking up at like 6 a.m. to start tailgating at the time that you would, you okay. would like start tailgating at for like a two thirty p.m. game to have the same amount of time. You have to wake up at like six. Which breakfast is not tailgates fun. are great. Um, I don't want to hear that. Um <laughs> no, 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 Really, they are fun. though. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> they're also a lot cheaper to tailgate for because the food for breakfast for a good breakfast tailgate doesn't cost nearly as much as a good you know no, nighttime no, tailgate. You love-
1: No, you love a good breakfast tailgate. Although your whole like, so you're at the game for basically four hours, right? That's three p.m. Yeah. Then you have to like, what? What's the rest of the day? Like, that's it. Like, go watch other games.
2: Go do other stuff.
1: (laughs) No. Yes, there's other games to watch. My point is, sorry, I should have said this from the beginning. Economically, you get a lot more money out of a two thirty kickoff or a 6 slash 7 p.m. kickoff because you have people coming way before the game and then you have them coming right afterward too. That 11 a.m. kickoff gives them a a really small window because not a lot of people want to wake up that early to come to wherever you are on the campus to you know spend their money on drinks on food on whatever and then also whenever the game's over they're just tired and want to go home and then they're eating dinner at their house instead of spending it back on campus corner, wherever they're going. Okay. And then you also think of it from a recruiting standpoint, where if you're trying to get someone from the West coast to come in to see the school, there's no way that if they're playing a game that Friday night, cause they're in high school, that they're going to be able to make a plane and come in that Saturday morning and make it by 11 AM. And if they do, they're going to be tired. They're not going to be wanting to have a good time. Like, you know, like it, it falls into recruiting too. It falls into getting that, kind of foothold in Florida that I think that they were trying to focus a little bit more heavily on so kind of with those two big aspects it made a like the business owners mad I know it made OU football like the brass up there mad and OU fans were just lazy and didn't want to get up okay okay.
2: that that makes a little bit more sense because everything I had seen before was like man no one wants to get up that early it's like no actually I like having games now Part of this is probably be being a Kansas fan, knowing that there's probably not a good chance that my team's going to win. And and if they do win, like, you know, oh, well, like, it's probably not going to be that fantastic. Uh, and it's not going to come often enough to, like, want to plan a nighttime celebration, you know, at that point. Because I do agree, like, the biggest victories that I remember being, you know, on hand for for Kansas were, like, the game against K-State that was, like, late at night and it was absolutely fantastic yeah. going out to celebrate afterwards. Like, I understand all of that. But it's also kind of one of those things, if you're going to go to a game... And then drive home. Like I don't want to deal with drunk crazy fans in the middle of the night trying to drive home because it's an hour like you know, drive to go home. Sure. I also didn't necessarily think that like eleven AM kickoffs were necessarily that bad. I do stuff earlier in the day anyway than most people, so I figure that was probably a personal preference. But I you know, I, I do agree though, because we're on Fox most of the time, like it makes the most sense for Fox to counter program, you know, the, the other the other networks. And like, you know, if if you're Oklahoma and you're wanting to get on national television so people can see you, would you rather be competing with all the SEC schools that are all on at, like, 6 o'clock at night or kind of own that 11 o'clock time where you're the big game that's on that everyone's going to want to tune into? And and so, like, I, I mean, I can understand what you're talking about economically in terms of people that are coming to the game, but if we're talking about TV windows, I think it makes the most sense, and, and Oklahoma's going to get you know the most eyeballs if they're there at that particular time. And And, you know, to be honest, going to the SEC... I don't know that Oklahoma is going to be able to get out of that window necessarily because there's going to be so many big games that unless they're playing Texas, which that game is usually, you know, early anyway, because it's at the state fair, um, you know, or unless they're playing like an Alabama or a Georgia, most of the other games they play in the the SEC are probably going to have a lot of similar competition and get slotted them a lot earlier than they're used to. Or I I guess where they're used to right now.
1: Well, that's also based on the prestige of the big 12. Because then when you think about it, like the best team in the Big 12 constantly has like the 11 a.m. kickoffs. And then the best team that the SEC is always getting the 6 p.m. games. And you're going to get way more eyes on the 6 p.m. games than you are in the 11 o'clock games just in general. So I think whenever people talk about the Big 12, you know, quote unquote, being disrespected. That's one way that I'm sure that Oklahoma in some way felt in superior to the SEC at that time whenever they're like oh well, well yeah the, I mean but that's but that's the big 12. 6 p.m slot like, well I know I'm, I'm saying like this is a big 12 thing and that's one of the reasons why this is all happening is because they're not getting that slot because they're working with Fox they don't work Fox anymore might as well go no, to a yeah, where they'll no, probably no, that, get that, a better that's time fair. so
2: yeah I, I don't know I, I'll, I'll be really interested to see if after the first couple of years if Oklahoma's actually getting out of those 11 a.m kickoff times that they you know, are, are complaining about because I'm sure, I'm sure they'll I'm sure have a decent amount, but I'm sure they're going to have quite a bit that are going to be at noon yeah. because, or, or, or at one, because I think that's what the SEC does is, is that they put it at one. Um, Well, but again, that was CBS. Now that CBS doesn't have any of the SEC stuff, we'll see what ESPN does with it. But I will know, say
1: this is super random. I was, I loved the two thirty PM kickoffs. Those
2: yeah. I love favorite. those because they're, they're the late best. enough. Like for me, that's the ideal time slot. Yes, th- absolutely. They're late enough that you can do stuff in the beginning. They're early enough that you're not driving home in the middle of the dark, you know, and yeah. they're like right in that perfect window. Yeah, it's a little hotter at that point because it's actually had time to warm up. But that's actually a good mm-hmm. thing in the middle, like in the later weeks. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that's perfect. All right. We got sidetracked long enough with, with uh, kickoff time. So let's let's jump in, though, because, you know, o- Oklahoma typically has one game in the big 12 conference schedule that they just completely underperform what you expect from them. The last two years that's been against Kansas state and it's been pretty early. They play Kansas state in week five. Um, are, Are you worried about that game or is there another game that kind of makes you worry a little bit more?
1: I'm more worried for Iowa state then I would be worried for Kansas state.
2: Well, okay. Because Iowa state though, like that's a team that you know, is probably going to be the second best team in the, <laughs> in the, in the conference this year. It's also at the very end of the schedule. So like, I think, I think if, if Oklahoma doesn't make the conference title game, which I don't, you know, is very, very hard to imagine that's actually going to happen. But if it doesn't happen, it's going to be because they lose a game or two really early in the big 12 schedule um, that they can't come back from it. So like, if, if you're thinking about it in terms of a game that they shouldn't lose, like they have no business losing, I think that Kansas state game fits the bill, but is, is there another one that kind of jumps out to you as a game that they really have no business losing, but you're kind of worried they might, if things don't go right for them.
1: Frankly, no, frankly, I think it's going to be like, if there was a game, there's always a game in Oklahoma season where they lose to someone that they shouldn't. I remember my freshman year was to the university of Houston, and that was a huge big deal. But I mean, this year, if they lose to Kansas state again, that's gonna be a big deal, I feel like. And Chris Kleiman's is gonna have that huge feather in his cap. And I thought it was so funny. I remember being at Big Twelve media day, and someone just flat out asked them, like, what it was. Like, you know, you're the only coach that's gone two and zero against, like, in Riley, the Oklahoma Sooners. What's the what's the secret? <laughs> and he gave such a coach answer he's just like oh we don't we don't pay attention who's on the front of the jersey oh gosh uh, that's a bunch of crap we practice the same yeah he literally said we don't pay attention to the name on the front of the jersey we practice the same we prepare the same for every single team and i was like um i don't believe that because for some reason skylar thompson looks like a completely different quarterback anytime he plays oklahoma but hey maybe uh
2: yeah, I like personally. Maybe we don't know. When I heard that question was getting asked, like as you know, because I was I was watching stuff live as, as I could. Yeah. And I was hoping, like in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, I, I wanted to say one of two things. I either wanted to go into some super technical but unbelievable answer of like this is what we're seeing and just to get everybody thinking, like wait, really? Like is could that really be it? And it just be complete BS. Or I wanted to go mm-hmm. like off off the wall and say something like. Well, I could tell you that, but then I'd have to kill you. Like, you know, some like stupid thing like that where he <laughs> pretends like he's got a secret that everybody right. knows he doesn't. So it's just like,
1: "Well, see, that's that would that would mean that he has a sense of humor."
2: Right. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, K-State coaches are notoriously bad at their sense of humor. Dry. So. Uh,
1: I feel like they're all notoriously dry.
2: Very, very, very much so. Of course, it doesn't help that, you know, Bill Snyder was their coach for so long and he had absolutely no sense of humor. So.
1: I will say though, when Skylar Thompson was basically asked the same question, someone followed up with it. And at first he gave the coaching the same coach answer that Chris Kleiman gave. So I'm sure he was coached on what to say. Of course. But in the follow-up, he said that he felt like their preparation last season for, from game to game was inconsistent and that he felt like it was more on a roller coaster and that this season they really need to work on, you know, being more consistent in their preparation. So I'm like, oh, so you're admitting now. That you guys over prepared for Oklahoma and then it declined whenever you played someone like maybe Texas Tech or maybe, uh, I don't know, West Virginia. Well, where it there wasn't as probably stakes when you played It
2: probably didn't help that Skyler Thompson got injured last year, too. It's, I mean, that was a lot of stuff, yeah, yeah, right. But
1: but, I mean, that's what he felt like, so which for him to say that it's kind of a big deal,
2: yeah. I'm not, I'm not really that surprised, okay. All right, so 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 big takeaway from there is that you think that Oklahoma should go out and beat everybody by thirty. Um, no, I'm joking. Uh, Texas <laughs> I'm obviously like, is yes, a, that's
1: exactly what I said.
2: Tech Texas obviously is a big game, but it always is a big game. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I mean, I, supposedly they're supposed to be better this year. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, I, I don't see any reason though why the game should be as close this year as it was last year. Or is there something that I'm missing?
1: You know, I don't think so either. I think kind of when it comes to Texas, there there's obviously a lot of emotions involved. They're all—it's always a very chippy game. Um, this season, I think they're more connected than ever, which is so strange. But ultimately, I think it's going to come out to be since they're going through this quarterback battle right now in Texas. I just think that Spencer Rattler is going to outpoise whoever is going to be their starting quarterback, and he's going to be a lot more seasoned in knowing how to deal with a solid defense and i haven't you know gone in depth at texas's schedule but i have a hard time believing that whoever wins that quarterback spot or that starting quarterback spot for texas is going to outclass spencer rattler in that kind of big of a stadium because it's it's if you haven't been a quarterback in that stadium you've got a rude rude awakening coming oh yeah for sure
2: yeah so i you know Normally with these previews, I do like to stop for a minute on the uh, the game against Kansas, but I don't think that that's worth talking about really at this point there. I don't see any way that Kansas is even going to make this game competitive. Um, you know, yes, it you is. You really at,
1: know how to like. Well,
2: it is at Kansas. <laughs> like the last time they played at Kansas, Kansas actually, it was competitive for the first half. And then Kansas made a huge boneheaded play to turn it over, like right on the seven yard line or something. And Oklahoma just never mm-hmm. looked back. But I just don't... Yeah, I just don't think that there's enough here. Maybe next year when, you know, Leipold's in the second year, assuming we all, we all get to play in the Big 12 next year, um, you know, which is, is going to be a question I'll ask you here in just a few minutes. But, um, you know, I, I just... I, I don't think that there's any way that this game is even going to be interesting to talk about at this point. Though there'll be plenty to talk about when we actually get to the game because I'm sure we'll find something to you know, some sort of interesting angle for this. But looking at it from here, like, this doesn't even look like it's worth really spending even the time that we just spent on it. So. Uh, really, the only other two games that, that are interesting to me on this schedule, and definitely let me know if, if you have another one that you want to talk about, but it's that, that, that final stretch, you know, going or playing Iowa State at home, then Bedlam game at Oklahoma State at the end of the year. Are you worried? Like, you did mention how you're worried about that Iowa State game, potentially just because Iowa State is, you know, I think easily the second best team at the conference this year. But I'm actually more interested in that Oklahoma State game. You know, o- Oklahoma State has not had... Very, very good luck at all in this Bedlam game. I mean, do you do you think that they're, like, I, I think this is probably going to be their best opportunity to get one before theoretically the game doesn't happen anymore, Um, at, at least for a little while. Are you worried about that particular game, like potentially about what could happen there at the end of the year?
1: I think the only reason a Sooner fan would have to be worried about that game is if Oklahoma supposedly overprepares for Iowa State because of how high they're ranked and how many players they have coming back and how strong of a offensive unit and defensive unit Iowa State is looking like they're going to be this season and if they overprepare for them and then kind of lose sight of the end of the goal against Oklahoma State that's where I think you should be worried other than that I don't know how how close of a game it would be against Oklahoma State based on I mean I know that Uh, Mike Gundy said that Spencer Sanders has, quote, improved more in the past two months than he has in the past two years. I'll believe it when I see it. That's not necessarily
2: saying much, but.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm really just like, I don't know exactly what that's saying. Uh, So I'll believe it when I see it. I think LD Brown is going to be a big running back for them. They're returning seven of eight defensive linemen, but their linebacker unit is looking like it's going to decline a little bit. So I think you're going to see the wide receiving core just kind of go off a little bit and be able to get some or make up some yards there if it's becoming a close game. Although again, like I said, uh, I don't, I don't think that's where they're kind of setting their sights this season. And rightfully so, I think Iowa State is going to be the biggest foe when you have yeah. just an incredible receiver in Xavier Hutchinson, you, you're you returning nine starters on defense they have a deep wide receiving quarter with tight ends same with Oklahoma and uh the only kind of gap in their team is just they're not having a really strong special teams this year so that's that's who I think they're going to be preparing for pretty much in the greater half of the season and then you'll get to Oklahoma State at that point I just don't I don't know enough about what Spencer Sanders looks like to think whether he can kind of compete with what Oklahoma's offense is going to look like.
2: Yeah, that's fair. Um, so I, I guess really the, the last question about schedule, um, you know, which do you think is more likely that they get caught looking ahead just slightly to the bedlam game and aren't as strong against Iowa state as they need to be, or they have a letdown game against Bedlam, you know, against Oklahoma state in bedlam because they just got a huge win over Iowa state.
1: I think it's the latter. I think they would probably be, like, way over preparing for Iowa State, hyping this game up a lot. Everyone's going to be hyping up this game a lot. And then once, you know, like, they kind of get that. it's the Bedlam is the last game of the season. I think it's probably, like, for the OU team, obviously they always want to win it. It's always a very competitive game. But just based on how strong Iowa State is, like, in the season, I don't think they're going to think as much as riding on it as Oklahoma State is.
2: Yeah. All right. Final final question for you, uh, at least on the on the schedule or the potential schedule, assuming that Oklahoma makes the the college football playoff, because I, I do think that regardless of how strong Iowa State is, they are the favorite still to win this conference and be the, the college football playoff, you know, uh, representative for the Big 12. Do you think that they can finally get over the hump and actually make it to the uh, title game this year?
1: Andy, I really hope so. I can't deal with this any longer. (laughs) You know, it is just embarrassing. It is so embarrassing that like every single year that I have been around a large group of Oklahoma fans or I've talked to my friends who are in the SEC or people I know who cover SEC teams and they're like, hey, so uh, when's it going to (laughs) happen? Because this is, uh, you guys always kind of, shit the, I don't know if I can say can we say customers on this podcast yeah
2: yeah you're fine
1: okay great oh shit the bed yeah. <laughs> like what what is it going to happen for you guys and regardless of whether you said it this. or not
2: everyone was thinking it so might as well
1: okay great <laughs> love that uh my thing is I'm saying this for probably the whole summer if they don't get it done this summer or not this summer if they don't get it done this season I don't know if it's really going to (laughs) ever play out until they kind of get into the SEC, if that's what's going to happen, because this is the most complete team they have ever had.
2: Yeah, you know, you know, I I was going to say all they need to do is just, you know, hope that they get to play Clemson and avoid an SEC team in the playoff. But when I went back and looked like the one time they played Clemson in a semifinal, they also lost that game against Clemson. So they really just need to not play. Like they need to get the number two seed and avoid an SEC team. Like that sounds like that's yeah. what it needs to happen.
1: I mean, yeah, it's unfortunate just that I mean I'm not I'm not gonna say it's unfortunate, but they've always landed in that four spot. And it's really, really difficult for whoever gets that number four spot to beat that number one seed and then go on to the playoffs. Usually whoever's in that two or three like the who's ever ranked number two, number three, has a better chance of being upset versus the other. So, right. because well, Oklahoma's yeah. always going against, I would say the yeah, one the one
2: time they were able to get in that game, it was that two overtime thriller against Georgia. Unfortunately, um,
1: please don't make me cry.
2: <laughs> well, you know what? Hey, I root for Oklahoma every time that they actually make it to the playoff. Um, so I, I'm just dis- I'm just as disappointed with those performances as you are. I just don't happen to root for Oklahoma the rest of the year. So, um, all right, final final question for you. This is actually the final question um
1: okay this how long for like well no months. no so, so
2: so the last ones were like the final questions about like the regular schedule and then potential games for the for them this year this Andy, is you're good yeah no, no i know i know um how much longer do you actually think that oklahoma and texas play in the big 12 like i've heard all kinds of like this is gonna be the only realignment question i'm actually gonna ask you is like do you think that this is the last year or do you think that they're gonna have to hang around for at least another couple of years to avoid paying gigantic buyouts
1: I foresee them going to the SEC either next season or the season after that. I don't see them being in the big 12 for more than two years.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that that's perfectly fair. Um, I'm curious whether that's going to be that they're paying huge buyout to get out because the rest of the big 12 hasn't figured out what they're going to do at that point yet. Or if the entire conference falls apart and then they just get to go scot-free. I am kind of ambivalent as to which one happens just because yeah, I wouldn't mind getting a nice big cash infusion from you guys as you're out the door. Um, but I also like of course. if, if Kansas gets an invite to the big 10, I know that they're, that they're not going to wait around. So
1: no. we'll see. And personally, I think it would be kind of interesting to see them in the ACC though.
2: Yeah. I mean, it would be all right, especially for basketball. I guess that would be, a- I think
1: I'm going basically based off of basketball because The ACC in football is not as competitive. So I think that they could find kind of like a little spot in there. Yeah. I I would be worried
2: about long distance in terms of road trips. It's like I I would be worried about that. But it also would be, would give them a a much clearer path back to football relevance, you know, there as opposed to the Big Ten. Because there's not a lot of bad Big Ten teams. Now, granted, you know, Lance Leipold is is definitely much more familiar with recruiting up in big 10 territory. So that might give him a little bit of a benefit compared to going over the ACC, but I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll, we'll obviously talk about it here and kind of over with all the stuff that we're doing with the, with the big 12 or with the Ten Twelve network, um, you know, as all that stuff happens, but Christine, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Where can the people find your work online?
1: They can find me on Twitter at CB on sports. Uh and also a part of the network as Midwest Madness Podcast. I know that everyone is super into football right now, but there's some exciting interviews coming up soon, and we're going to be getting into all of the Big 12 basketball, which I thrive talking about, especially Kansas. Uh, shout out to all you Kansas fans. Um, yeah, I was just okay. saying,
2: basketball like is a year-round sport here for KU fans, so I, I can guarantee you that that Kansas fans will be listening to that, because uh, I'm going to keep pushing it. So So we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if, you know, during the first two months of football season, if most of your downloads come from the state of Kansas. So That'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> Love be you awesome.
1: guys. <laughs>
2: All right. Well, Christine, thank, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please go out wherever you get your podcasts. There's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe and get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and review, five stars, and nice comments, would be absolutely great. Um, you know, if for whatever reason you can't do that, just – let us know what it is we can, we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in, in as entertaining way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast.gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. Now that we're on the Anchor platform, you can actually leave us a voicemail so we can get your voice on the show. Just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and I promise that I'll get it on there as long as you're not being super inappropriate. So, Um, but that is going to do it for us tonight. Christine, again, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast.